Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. And this is very exciting because this is like the first guest of 2020, but also the first guest of This is Joy and Claire. So we're very excited to introduce to you Emily Schramm. Yay! I wish I had like... Oh my god, I'm so honored, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! That's crazy. And first off, I'm just so stoked for you too. We talked about this briefly in our last podcast together. Yeah. I'm just so proud. And like, you guys are just rock stars paving the way of evolution I, and just growing. And it's awesome. Well, we're doing something, Emily. We're just, we're, we're trying to keep growing with this field of podcasting and we're trying to grow with our audience. So hopefully it's, hopefully it's good stuff, but we're, I love that we're having you on as the first guest of 2020 slash the first guest of This Is Joy and Claire because we have such a good relationship with you. We've known you for a long time. We've kind of seen each other grow up a little bit with a lot of the space that we're occupying, especially in podcasting. But we're here to talk about this amazing book that you wrote. And I love it kind of goes hand in hand with how we evolve and how we grow and how we kind of learn about ourselves. And so we'll get into that in a second. But I think the first thing that I just want to ask you about to kind of start riffing off of is you did a recent podcast on your Meathead Hippie podcast, where you talked about expectation and that word just kind of hit me in the gut where I'm like, yeah, this, uh, this has so much to do with the expectations we put on ourselves. Can you just kind of start talking about what that journey was like and how it started with the expectations that you were facing and then how this kind of influenced your book, the process? Uh, You know, yes. Thank you. That's such a fun place to start and jump in because it's all I can think about. So I really appreciate that question. Um, I think what the book honestly is what taught it to me the most. And I think that's what the beauty of writing a book maybe that I didn't expect. Like when we have expectations and we have these numbers we want to hit or stats we want to hit and these goals that we're so trained and so conditioned to hit because goal setting is the only way to get anything done in our society. Ultimately, it's not a bad thing to have them, but very quickly, these expectations can take something that is just an extension of you or something that you're passionate about or something that you love and transform it into something that feels hard and heavy and uh, all of a sudden is like a burden. And I guess the best example of that is, well, for me, anything that I've created up to this point, so starting my first business to the businesses I've created, the products and programs and even the gym, they just kind of come out of you, right? Just like the podcast for you two, it's like, let's do this. You know, this feels right. And the momentum behind that is very fast. And then it just starts working and there's a flow energy, you know, whether it's alignment or whatever it might be that it just works. It's like, yeah, this makes sense. But very quickly that turns into this type of pressure, this heaviness that we set on ourselves because all of a sudden we need to set a weekly schedule or we need to not do just 10% better than the last month's sales. We need to do 15% Keep raising the bar. Right. And we know that we've heard once you get to the top of the mountain, you actually aren't satisfied, right? We've heard that, but to truly experience it again and again and again, and then to start to feel like, I have had a lot of these creations and energy and momentum and beautiful opportunities to create because that's who I am and I love it, but it just kind of flies out of you. And then all of a sudden you are like burdened by 
getting better and performing more and making sure that, you know, you're doing all the right things. And I just felt like I was holding so much heaviness. And all of a sudden I realized that what I had created almost, I think you guys will get this, but it felt like, um, hoaxes almost like I had kind of created these things that were extensions of me and they were ultimately my demise. And it was just a strange world of how can something so beautiful and so innocent turn into something so not innocent and so heavy and hard. And that really allowed me to have these hard conversations of why am I doing this? Am I doing it because of external expectations? Do I need validation from other people? Uh, or am I just doing it to create? And so it, it really took and stripped off this uh, layer of the continuation of creation, which is just like creating to hit a certain check mark or a certain goal and just to create for the sake of creation. And what does that look like for me? And what does that feel like? And what are the outcomes of that? And it's just so fun because the last line in my book is, I hope you learn to create without expectation because expectations are your only limit. And I feel like I wrote that book for me, you know, and, and I did write it for me. It was just a bunch of my thoughts in one place, but that was like such a mind opener for me to be like, wow, I really truly have expected something out of everything in some way. And that has held it back. And I guess the most literal example of that is knowing that this book, ultimately books are business, right? So if you have a business through a book, you can book tours, you can create avenues. You can take create revenue streams through creating a book. And I knew that I could do that, but I had no desire to have any energetic attachment to this book. I wanted to create it without anything expected from it. And that was the first time I had created something to do that. Like, I don't want anything. I don't expect anything. And I just want to see what happens. And so it's been a really fun rewiring, retraining process of how do you create just for the sake of doing it versus for the sake of it being seen or shown or inspiring, even if it has best of intentions, very quickly that can twist into something else. Yeah. And I think the thing that I always like to think about is, I can't remember the researcher who talked about this. I want to say it was Sean Accor, but one of the happiness researchers, and I'm sure they've all kind of said this in some way, shape or form, is truly when you hit a goal, pretty sure it's Sean Accor. He wrote the happiness. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I'll look it up later, but I'll post it on on the show notes. But he wrote a bunch of books about happiness, talks a lot about how when our when we hit a goal, our brain immediately goes to the next step. So it's natural for us to hear about all these people doing great things and accomplishing great things. And then they're like, you know, dusting off their hands going, okay, what's next? And that's a really difficult thing to come to terms with, because we are kind of taught to say we got to, we work so hard for this goal. And then when we accomplish that goal, then what, then there's kind of the next day and people move on. Right. And I just think that's a real, that's a, that's been a hard lesson for me to learn. I think, uh, just in life, I think that a lot of us can relate to that, especially kind of what you were saying, as far as all the things that you've created. But I also want to talk a little bit about how I think, especially as women, we all face this just any gender, but I think especially females face unrealistic expectations and how we're kind of caught in this web of, to quote Gwen Stefani, we're like caught in spider webs. And we just really get into this trap of trying to do it all, be it all. And the unrealistic unrealistic expectations that we see, especially with the internet, social media, magazines, what have you, that we're supposed to accomplish A, B, and C, where that may not be where our heart is, but we've been kind of socialized and trained to be that or to fit into a size whatever or to have what color, whatever color of hair 
or to have this length of eyelashes, like whatever. <laughs> it's it's so interesting to me. So I'm kind yes. of like stuck on this loop of talking about expectations. And I guess maybe the point I want to make too is like how we can pause. Like how do you pause? How do you, Emily, pause and evaluate whether or not that expectation is something you want to say yes to or the one that, or do you look at it and say that actually is an unrealistic expectation? Like how do you sift through that? Yeah. And I think this is just so person to person of what, feels right and what feels like a yes to your body and what feels like a no, you know, I, I, a lot of people talk about, think of like the happiest thing you could ever think about or something that you know you want to do and notice what your body does, um, how your posture changes and what it feels like, and just kind of redefining what feels good to you because we have no perception of that unless we actively try to look for it. So for me, it's very clear when I want to do something or I think I should do something because after I do it, I'm either really energized, even if I'm tired, there's some sort of energy. It's similar to when we get off the podcast with each other. It's like, this is so good versus when I get out of, I, you know, no, there's just sometimes where certain conversations you're like, Ooh, that was a little bit draining. I don't know what that was right. a little harder than usual. Right. right. Like there's certain things and it's not necessarily the person or the interview. It's just all of it combined. And so I had to like start doing lists. So the easiest thing I did to start was every night I kind of, have to like take a shower to rinse off the day and almost reset. And I would go through my calendar and just think about every single thing that I did that day and think about it. What did I feel after? Was I extra drained? You know, what in it in my day was like really heavy and what actually was really light. And I started to notice things that I usually would just power through and push through and do because I think I should do them. And that was like kind of the first point where I was starting to see things trends of things that I thought that I really enjoyed because on paper, that's what I said I enjoyed. And that was part of my life and part of my identity and my career and ways I was making money. And all of this was like, oh my gosh, actually, if you're really honest with yourself, those were the things that were the most draining. And so having those conversations, even in your own head and opening up some doors of maybe that's actually not what I enjoy, even though my identity is that. And I think that's where people get stuck is because we so quickly in our world need to have an identity and need to have a label with that identity. And so we get stuck in it and then we feel really guilty for leaving it <laughs> or we feel really guilty for saying, actually, I don't want to do that anymore. We don't, we don't live, leave room for pivoting. And so I think it's just like being very aware what does it feel like when you feel really good about something? And what does it feel like when you're tired and drained? And you can start to define those shoulds. I should be doing this versus I really actually want to do this. And you have to respect, just like you guys are an example of, you have to respect the fact that you will want to change. So what worked for you last year might not work for you this year. And then you got to let go of that guilt associated with it. So I think it's, that was really the cracking of, for me, understanding that what I was doing actually wasn't that fulfilling. I was on total autopilot, just kind of checking the boxes. And of course it looked great on paper and it looked great to the world. And at some point that was my dream. Of course, that's what I wanted, but then it was limiting to only say that I was content because 
I wasn't content. I was exhausted. <laughs> so I, I always have those really honest conversations. And I think it's important to allow people the space to, to pivot. And if that means that one day you want to be a personal trainer and the next day you realize, actually, this isn't what I want to do and I want to do something else, that's good. That's evolution and that's growth. And I think that that's sometimes hard for us to grasp because we work so hard to get that identity in some ways, you know? I think that's so important for people to hear. And if at any point in your life, like you get there and you feel like it's so easy to tell yourself, oh, I put so much into this. And therefore, if I change my mind now, then that means that none of this work meant anything. And being able yeah. to just recognize the process for what it was and for making you who who you are today that like, just because you, you know, have spent your whole life trying to get to a certain point and you're 90% of the way there and you suddenly realize this isn't what I want, all the past work that you've put into it doesn't just evaporate all the effort and all the meaning that was within all of those experiences doesn't just go away because you don't get to the finish line. Or if you are, you are, have already passed the finish line, like you're still allowed to make changes. I just think it's so easy for us to get caught up in that because you think, oh, I've put so much work into this. And so it would be, if I change now, I'll be disappointing people. It'll, people will think I'm not grateful for my success. Like, whatever the case may be. And just being able to kind of realize like you're just, first of all, I think the biggest thing that people think is that other people are never as disappointed in you as they, you think they're going to be. We, I feel like project. So maybe this is just like me talking my own shit, but that we project so much of other people's expectations on ourselves, And then once we actually do the thing and we realize like, Oh, nobody really cared. And not in a bad way, but like in kind of a freeing way. Like you yeah. have these expect you, these thoughts like, oh, everyone's going to freak out when I do this. And everyone's just like, oh, cool. Okay, whatever. Yeah, we're really <laughs> yeah. good at making it's things so up true. in our head. It's so in our head. We're really good I, I at guess, it. And it's mm-hmm. so good. And it's such a big monster. And I think the best example is like, you know, you guys have been a part of the story from day one. And exactly what you said, Claire, it's like these all were stepping stones. And at first I started seeing all of these creations that now had expectations as something really negative. Like I started being like, why did I do this? Like, oh my gosh, how, how, oh, like I'm an idiot, you know, in in a way of like, how could I have thought that this would not have an end date or that this would just fulfill me forever? It was like, I was delusional, but that wasn't the case at all. It's so easy to just see the negative of what we created or what we got ourselves into or what we started. Um, but all of it was such a part of the story because it they're building blocks, every step, every learning experience, and then, you know, re, redefining what that is for me and being able to see them, everything, and see them, or whether it's businesses or basically the last few years, seeing that as such a, a gift. And for me, I had to actually see it as a gift. And so putting it all in one place and really seeing it as something that I could be proud of and reminding yourself, like, how could you take something that you might feel a little guilty about, whether it's a relationship or whether it's a business or whether it's an idea, what whatever it might be that so quickly can be like, oh God, what was I thinking? You know, we get out of it and we're like, God, that was, yeah. and for me that, that honestly, and I mean this not at all in a bad way, but a 
big piece of that was for me competing in CrossFit kind of feels like that. Like, Oh God, I was really hard on my body. <laughs> Why would I do that? But I did that to oh learn my gosh, so yeah. much. Totally. I learned so much about my body. I was, I was so in it. I can't even deny the fact that I was obsessed with it, but then I get out of it and I'm like, Oh, what are you doing? It's like, no, I was in it and I loved it and it served its purpose. And that guilt looking backwards has to go because that's so common for us to just be like, oh, we're out of it. Therefore we can judge it. Like, no, that was literally such a huge piece of my life that I cannot, I can't judge because I truly did enjoy it at the time, you know? Yeah. And we all have that. We all have those. And Mm. do you ever sit there and think like, even today, I think I was, I was sitting and thinking about how, you know, what am I going to think about my life five or 10 years from now? And am I doing something now that I'm going to look back on and be like, Joy, why did you do that? And I think it's so silly because we can't do that. Like we cannot predict the future and we can't, where we are in the moment, we can't objectively look at it when we're in it. And so I think that's just something that's so funny how we do that. Like we're aiming for this perfection and that we like can't look back and go, God, I wish I would have never done that. So we need to kind of like be comfortable with kind of kicking our own butts and just being really uncomfortable and knowing that things are going to fail. And we have to, I, I always kind of preach this, that we just have to be comfortable with things that are kind of crappy about our situation or or things that don't feel great. Um, that's why we turn to food, booze, whatever substances, because we're trying to soothe ourselves, because we can't tolerate discomfort. And I'm not talking about like fun challenges. I'm just talking about like ourselves and our emotions. But yeah. um, I, I, I think just ba- like kind of bringing back to what you were talking about is really maturity. Like with maturity, we realize there's some things that we just don't want to do anymore, or we're, whether it be people in our lives, or goals that we set for ourselves and goals are fine, but where are they coming from and why are we doing it? And Claire and yes. I have always talked about this on the show. It's like, what's your why? Why are you doing this? Are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it for others? Yes. And I think that's like, ultimately what I, you know, and what I write about so much in the book is like, we take something that's so beautiful and innocent. And then as soon as our ego gets involved, I mean, and how could it not in some degree, because business is business, right? You, you need to see the numbers, you need to see how it's performing, you need to see the growth. And so it's really hard to separate the two of what is just natural evolution of business, but also tying your identity or tying your worth to that business. And so there's this like very weird dynamic of entrepreneurship and being a business owner and putting so much of yourself into your business where you can see these two angles competing with each other, where one is just being authentic and creative and doing it because you don't know what life is without it. And then the other side that can very quickly twist it into something that becomes competitive or I'm not good enough, or I'm lacking. And so I think it's just an awareness of knowing when that line is getting crossed. And I think it's like very much a trigger relationship. Like, are you feeling not good enough? Do you feel like because certain things didn't do well, because your launch didn't perform well, or because a lot of people didn't download your podcast, or maybe you only got 10 likes versus 20. Now, all of those, all of a sudden, you're going to not care about it. And that's the eye opener that I have realized that I just want to be more vocal about it because if we are looking in business and we want 
people to, you know, start their own business and be themselves in the career that they have. And because I'm so in love with that and I think people should do it, but we also don't have that same conversation of validation and looking externally to ultimately define how much you're going to be creative. Like that's ludicrous because we're just supposed to be creative. We're all humans who are creative. And so how do we have that conversation or at least how do we learn how to navigate this really sticky world of creating just to create without getting into that cycle of I'm not good enough because we all have been there. And so it's, I think it's just having that honest conversation. Well, I have to point out quickly too, that I just took a women in leadership course and it talks so much. And a lot of it, I, when I was listening to it and reading through the materials, there was a lot of it that really bothered me where I'm like, this cannot be true. Well, it's through Cornell. I'm pretty sure they've done their research. I'm pretty sure this these facts, <laughs> they've done the research on the facts. But it basically told the statistics about how males view themselves. And I'm sure people listening have heard this study, but it's talking about how males view themselves in businesses or in the workspace of how, you know, big challenges. And if they fail, it's really they kind of like water off a duck's back in a sense. I'm really simplifying this, by the way. But for women, we have to kind of work 20 times harder because of all the emotional baggage and all the stuff that we kind of carry and all of the responsibilities that we are doing, whether at home with our families and all the juggling. And I mean, balance really is a true thing with with women and it's not with men. So I think as you're talking about all these businesses you created, I couldn't help but think about all the things that as a female, you're facing, questioning, doubting that I don't think our male friends have to deal with as much with businesses. And I just want to point that out because the point I'm making is as I was reading this material, I'm thinking, no, we're badasses. We can we can do it. We're, but we're really kind of like running up a very steep hill. And that's just the fact of it. So while we want to be badass women and while we're like trying to change everything and bust the patriarchy, we're like, mm. and the system is kind of set up for us biologically and mm-hmm. systematically for us to kind of be running up a very steep hill while men are just kind of cruising along. So as much as we kind of want to be like, no, we can do it. Like, and we've got a lot of crap strapped to our back while we're trying to hike up a hill. So just kind of like validating all of that too. Well, and it's interesting. And I think that the first thing that comes to mind with that because it's true is that that ultimately is how this book began because you know, you think of it in like the three chapters of do feel no. And I was like doing, 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 like I could not do more. (laughs) You know, I was like, I, my plate is full. I'm managing, I'm handling it. I'm doing it. (laughs) And and I don't want to like cut you off with this because I want you to finish that. But I also want to know a little bit of like, what is the do for you? Ah, Like what was, what is, or what was the do for you? And how has that changed? Oh God, the do is everything. The do is, so the do really is non-negotiable. We all need to do. We can't just like feel our way through the world and things come to us. Like I know there's a lot of talk about uh, manifestation and abundance and alignment. And Claire, I feel like Claire, you're totally going to be like, hallelujah on this because it's true. It's like, we got to put the work down. Like we have to put our feet on the ground and we got to climb. There's no question about that. So the do for me originally was just learning how to trust myself, learning that I could do to move through doubt. So going to the gym for the first time, trying new things for the first time so far this week, I'm in this like stage of saying yes again, you know, putting myself in really uncomfortable situations. I'm doing stunt school and dance class, which are like two very terrifying things for me because I'm like, 
oh my God, I am horrible at choreography. I can't even believe that people can do this many steps and remember them when it comes to dancing. I'm just like so out of my comfort zone, but that is so important when it comes to just getting yourself out of your brain, right? And so there's an element of do that's really beautiful and really necessary and a lot of people struggle with, but then there's like all of a sudden this tip over where we do and we do and we do. And so for me, I mean, it was just like booking my schedule. How many things can I do? Uh, let's put it all on the pl- on my plate. Let's just action, 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 physical action. And this is very much the masculine energy that you were talking about. It's like, yeah, we can put things on paper and we can do it and we can have the meetings and we can grow and we can do this and this and this and this. And I was doing all that, but I still felt like there was something I could not tap into. And my body, yes. my body always was the limiting factor. So like I would get tired and exhausted and then I'd become a bad person to my partner I'm like, you shouldn't have to choose. (laughs) Like, this is crazy. But it was this constant roller coaster of like, some days were good, but it was all in this element of do. And I think it's really addictive. And this is the world of do more exercise, you know, do more diets, do more tracking. It totally is. Do all the things, right? (laughs) Did you find, did you find that at the beginning? Like when you were younger, did you find that the do was like, an addiction for you? Like, what did it satisfy for you? Yeah. So for me, I am very much, and it's kind of interesting because do and dopamine, like I am a dopamine addict. Like I need to feel things in order to feel alive because I refuse to sit still and feel. So the, the feel for me was doing, I would feel the adrenaline rush. I would skydive uh, my motorcycle, anything insane jumping off of 75 foot cliffs. How could I feel more adrenaline? That was how I felt. So I was doing to feel. Um, so I have always related to that as a kid and even moving straight in, into my habits as a kid, but also then tying that into business, the, the rush of whether it's like making a huge risky move and seeing if I could pull it off, um, putting in these giant purchase orders and hoping, you know, there's still this adrenaline component that I was really into. And it kept me in this um, cycle where I was addicted to it. It was very much like this uh, perpetuating weird, messed up world that we see all corporations and businesses living in. That's the cycle. It's just this constant, how much can you do? What's your output? What's your growth? What la 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 la. And it's never enough because it it's so physical and it's so tangible uh, that it, it can't be, you know, it can't be enough because we're missing the other components, which is really where my, my whole body had to like stop, get still, understand how addicted I was to the do, and then finally learn how to feel. And that was really hard for me because I, I would use doing as a way to avoid feeling. And I, I, I hated feeling, I hated sitting still. I hated quiet. I hated to just I think everyone can relate to that. I think so many people can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Like the reason why we're so crazy and doing so much is because we don't want to sit. I mean, I've said that before. I'm like, ah, I just can't sit still. It's like, okay, so have you thought yeah. about that? Like, why can't you sit still? Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I was really, I hated it. I hated saying that I had to sit still and be calm in my head, but I think most people will relate to this where I was the person that couldn't go on a walk or a run without headphones. I needed music. I needed 
some sort of activity. I didn't want to hear myself breathe. There was like something in my brain that I couldn't even be present in my body for a hike or a run. And that was like a big eye opener for me. The first time that I was able to run without headphones, I remember feeling my body and breathing and almost the struggle. And instead of judging it, Mm. I was like, oh, this is, this is, humanity. This is me. And I'm proud yeah, of that's it. That's so cool. And how many of us are like, no, we don't want to hear the struggle because we're, d- we're doing, we don't want to feel the struggle. We don't want to feel weakness. And I think we have this really big misconception of yeah. even the word, even the word vulnerability is kind of implying a weaker point, right? Vulnerable position. You might not be protected. Sure. You don't need to be protected when you're just literally yourself. So it's this whole world that you can unwrap of why have you avoided feeling? Why do you not want to sit still in your body? How can you be more in tune with it? And what is it going to take for you to finally feel comfortable just sitting and being able to feel. Yeah. And and that's that type of, and for me, it was like, I'm hitting a wall with my businesses and also with the, the joy that I was getting from my businesses with the doing. And I was sitting in a meditation and I was like, holy shit, I am my own limiting factor. What else am I missing? Because all I'm doing everything physical that I possibly can. There's nothing else I could add to this list. I have everything on paper right. So there's something else missing. And it's truly this fact of, I am not the one that created it. I'm just like the vessel that got to bring it to life, you know? And when you think of it that way, it's like, oh, I, you know, there's not so much responsibility in that sense. It's just, I know for me, I'm so much better when I learn how to feel a little bit more. (laughs) And it's tapping into the person is tapping into the the real true you, right? So then Mm. we'll, I think we're when we hit walls is when we try to take over in our own minds, and we try we try to control too much. And I just think that's such an important point, too. I've, I've recently been keeping my phone turned off in during meetings or during parts of my day where I'm really trying to do to practice listening to people as opposed to talking to them with my phone in my hand, or mm-hmm. just even having a conversation with my friend and then like looking down at my phone. So it's been, it was hard at first, I spent like an entire day in a conference with we didn't we couldn't have access to our phones. And I remember being like, Oh, my God, how am I going to get through this? And it's actually really profoundly important to do that. And I know there's a lot of us out there that are like, I can't imagine doing that. I need to be entertained. And it's like, Think about why you're doing that. Think about why you're getting those dopamine hits constantly and that you're really checking out all the time with your device. And I think that, you know, we don't need to all like throw our phones in the trash, but I'm just saying there's thing, there's something to what you were talking about and how you felt so disconnected that I think then we go back to they're creating for what purpose and we're not creating just to create. Like everyone now needs to create something to get a hundred thousand followers. That's absolute bullshit. Like just create, go, go create go create something that you enjoy. Like don't create, like everyone will always be like, I want to do this because I want to, I want to have a huge following. And it's like, why? That nothing good ever came from that goal. Yes. Nothing good ever came from the goal. Everything beautiful on this earth came from someone going, huh, that looks fun. I think I'm going to try that. Like that's where great things come from. (laughs) Not someone being like, I'm going to create this huge empire. Right. And it's interesting. You, it's kind of like, there's no option, but to 
to recognize this because you see social media. It's like people don't do things just to do them anymore. They do them because of the picture or the experience or the videos that they're going to get. And then all presence is completely taken away. And uh, yeah, what you said, even just like leaving your phone in the car or hiding it under your, you know, your seat or forgetting it. It's so important because there is nothing that's going to stop you if you have your phone from grabbing it. It's really not up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it just really prevents us from being, from like getting to that place of creation. So I would just like, I just think everyone needs homework of like, start with maybe five minutes of just turning it off or leaving it in the car and just kind of seeing how you feel. I promise you won't die. I promise you won't. Okay. So I know Claire had a question for you. Well, okay. First of all, I wanted to chime in on that, which is that I feel like when people do have that goal of just, oh, I'm going to create this so that I can get followers, like it's, you can tell. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have those people we're following where we're like, oh, this is so hard to watch because like you can just tell that they have like their Instagram stories are like there's like a thousand little Instagram story dashes up there. And it's like, this is just, I'm just exhausted even watching you live this life. I know it's not a reality TV. I think people think personal branding is reality TV shows and it's just not. No, totally. So you kind of answered my question a little bit already, actually, which is I coming into this, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, you know, you, you have had all these projects from the outside. It does seem like you barely give a second thought to just like throwing something out there and seeing what sticks. And most of us get stopped in our tracks so far away from that point of, you know, the, like, we just won't take on the risk. And whether that's financial or ego, you know, probably a big, huge combination of the two, and of a lot of other things. But at least from afar, it has always seemed like you were just like, yeah, sure, let's try it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, listening to what you just said about, yeah, that's sort of how you got your dopamine fix a little bit of like that risk. Actually, it's not that you didn't feel the risk. It's that the risk is what you were seeking. Do you feel like that's true? Yeah, I think there's, yes, for me, I love trying new things. And so I get really bored in my current life in general. So I do feel like that's something that I'm predisposed to. I had this theory of, I actually bought the hustlegene.com and I kind of want to create this huge database of people that might be more impulsive to start a business or be an entrepreneur. And I think it's based on a lot of different things. Maybe the way I was born, um, maybe the, you know, the little things that might've happened as a kid, uh, the fact that I had a, quite a few concussions, so I'm not quite as, you know, there's just certain variables that I definitely think <laughs> have played into this. I'm not kidding. I'm just, I've thought about this over and over because I'm like, why am I so, you know, it, it's not even impulsive, but there's definitely a checklist because I have probably five business ideas a day. So I do feel like there's a point where this is kind of the chapter three of the knowing. You just have to know that you're worth putting it out there. And so if you have an idea and you feel excited about it and it's like it kind of makes you nervous to me that's the best sign and then you just go through the actual standard checklist of is there a need for this and does this exist and if it does exist could I make it better or is mine different enough um, and I think every single time I had enough of that that was all good I could check that off the list so it was exciting and made me nervous but also made me really excited and um, 
you know, I, not just like an excited way. It was almost like I'm about to jump off a cliff way, but then there was still the support of statistics or just observation of I'm not just being impulsive. There still is a need for this. And then it's like, okay, am I really the person to bring this to life? And I think that there's a point, and this is kind of what I'm, this co, I know it's so, it is a little bit of the woo-woo of this co-creation, but if it is supposed to come out of you, you know it. And there, there really isn't too much second guessing, uh, because I feel like you can't stop thinking about it. Like you really can't, it's something that it, it drives you crazy. It's like when you go shopping at Nordstrom and you're like, there's no way I'm going to buy these jeans. And then you can't stop thinking about those jeans for two weeks. And then you're like, okay, maybe I should have gotten those jeans. But I also feel like those types of pings from the universe are like, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one. And if you avoid it, then it's going to pass and somebody else will do it and it'll go to somebody else and that's fine. But why wouldn't you be the one? And I think there's some sort of intuitive, like you have the right to bring these things to life. And I think that's my, that might be the biggest missing piece for people is this deserving, like, well, I don't think I'm the one that can do it. It's like, ah, no, if you think about it too much, honestly, that's when you start to doubt yourself more. Uh, but you really, if you're already working on the no, if you're already working on your self-worth, if you're already working on those deeper issues of feeling like you're good enough, then when the time comes, there really won't be much second guessing. It'll happen and it'll happen in its right time. And no one is youer than you. I think people forget about that because they mm-hmm. don't realize how uniquely beautiful they are and how unique every there's room for all of us and every single person is different so no matter if you maybe create something similar your energy may connect with a completely different audience and Mm -hmm. I just love that and I also I also believe in kind of a co-creation aspect where I like to think of the next right step so if you have an idea I think of Elizabeth Elizabeth Gilbert's book Gilbert yeah Big magic. You have an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you're starting to kind of, yeah, you're starting to kind of think of these ideas. And I think it's really cool that if you have an idea, sometimes, for lack of a, of, of a less woo-woo word, but like the universe does kind of show up for you. And you'll start to get like these little like bird seeds in your path of like, hey, this, I have this idea. And things start to kind of fall in your lap that are really just, you can't yes. explain it. And I think that that's kind of the nudges from the universe to be like, keep going. And then you may hit a roadblock and you're like, okay, I'm going to let this go for a while. And Oprah says the same thing where she's like, dream it, wish it, let it go. Like, don't hold on too tight to control it because that one, that's when everything goes to shit. Like, you just cannot, you have to kind of leave room. And one of the images I love is like, it was was more in a spiritual sense, but, you know, if I'm just going to kind of use God as an example, but if your fist is closed so tightly you know, there's no room for God to put something in your hand, you know, so if you have something closed, you're just squeezing, squeezing the life out of a project, perhaps you need to like open your hand and just like receive and look for those. And sometimes it's not on your timing. So there's all these ways to kind of look at it. But I think it's just so important. Yeah. Well, I also think that's really why I had to tap into feel is like the things. So you create something and there's this momentum and this excitement and it it happens so naturally that it's, it seems silly. Like it's crazy. It's like all of the things line up because it's just supposed to be. And then all of a sudden there's a roadblock and then another roadblock and another roadblock. And this is still in this do format of typical doing, 
we keep going and then we hit a wall and then break through the wall and then we get keep going and then hit another wall. And yes, those walls will happen. Uh, but this is what really tapped me into the feel. It was like, this shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> if it's truly supposed to be, it shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this draining. It shouldn't be this much of a roller coaster. It shouldn't be this exhausting at the end of the day. And clearly something I'm doing, including breaking down the walls, it's going to have a life limit. Like there's only so much I can break down the walls. And so the feel was out of a necessity of, I can't keep doing it this way. And how can I just learn to know when it's right and when it's not, and when to have patience and when to chill and when to put it on the sidelines. And you don't know those signs until, you know, the first best way to learn how to feel is just acknowledging your schedule, what drained you, what excite, what made you excited at the end of the day. And then you can tap into it once you get into meditation of like thinking about things, you can feel them in certain places. Like, does it make you feel contracted or does it make you feel good and open? And if something makes you feel icky or if something doesn't feel right, if you don't know the answer and then you push through and try to make the answer up, then it's just going to put you into a hole. Like there's no way that you can just yeah. keep pushing your way out of things. That's not how you're supposed to operate. And yet we're in a world that says that you're, that's business and that's hustle and that's drive. It's like, actually, no, it's much, yeah. it's much simpler than that. If you tap into you and you know who you are and you work on figuring out who you are and all of it is this internal work, the external world you live in will match that. And it takes a big jump of faith and a lot of trust. Emily, I think we've lost the ability to know how to do that. Like when you said that, I was like, yeah. I don't think we know how anymore. I really don't. Yeah. Like I I think be because we have so much thrown at us of what we should be and what we should do and what we should have. And I know it's always existed in some way, but I don't think we really know how to do that anymore. And so, you know, as I was reading your book, I know I, I feel like this is a book that could be one where you like flip to a page and be like, I needed this message today. Like it's just so I guess you know, you could feel like you're getting a message from the universe, but just opening a page and being like, this is what I needed today. <laughs> but it's also kind of like a way of yeah. feeling like it's a journal, like we opened up, you you shared with us kind of a personal journal, which is very brave and vulnerable and all of those powerful words. And I also know that a lot of people can relate to it. I want to start wrapping up a little bit because we're starting to run out of time. But I love the the piece in feel where you're kind of identifying what you were just talking about, like what makes you feel energized and what makes you feel drained. And can you just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, maybe what are the things that you realized that were making you feel drained? Because I know you know what makes you feel energized, but sometimes it's sneakier. The drained can sneak up on us when we're not really aware of it. Yeah. And because we're so busy doing, right? We just are just on autopilot and we see the goal really close. And for me, that was honestly, you know, you get so consumed by how sales are doing and how things are growing. And it's so wonderful in its way, but it's also very, the, the bigger it gets, the less purpose it kind of gives you because it's so superficial what we're looking for in a business. And the purpose of the business was to help somebody heal from adrenal issues or help somebody work out outside that doesn't have access to weights. And then if you don't catch yourself, all of a sudden you're just in way over your head. And no matter what your meetings are or no matter your 
growth strategies, it just feels like, why am I doing this again? And it, it, it doesn't matter for me, even if the why was like, it's for more people to get that. It's for more people to learn about it. It just completely lost its light for me. And so I think it was really uh, understanding how I show up and who I want to be. And I think I kind of started to feel a little bit of an actress. I, I felt like I was a little bit of a persona and, you know, this identity of personal trainer or fitness model or entrepreneur, all these labels, people in my life, you know, they know who I am, but I almost started to lose who I was. I didn't know what I liked to do anymore besides work. <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to create and I wanted to start businesses and that was all I could think about. Um, and I realized like, holy shit, I have no idea what I actually enjoy outside of the things I've created. I've almost took all my hobbies and made them businesses. And now I don't even know what to define myself as. So it was just really understanding through really deep meditation. And I, I am somebody that hated meditation a year and a half ago. So if you hate meditation, I totally get that. But sitting in your own head and not thinking about things or allowing you to think about things, but let them go and just kind of be quiet is the only way to create space. Like we just don't have white space in our life. We don't have room to think. We don't have room to process. We don't have room to organize all of the things that are going in. You know, we have so many inputs, 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 inputs. And then we, in our free time, we go in social media and get more inputs. And so it's just like, how do we expect yeah. to know? How do we know who we are if we don't even allow ourselves to just we, be? We don't. And we like, I wish I had like a little mini Marie Kondo to just go into my brain and be like, this no longer <laughs> brings you joy. Let's get rid of that. We don't have little yeah. mini Marie Kondos to like put into our brain. But don't you think that's why we feel when you were talking about the white space and how good it feels to kind of connect to yourself that way? Don't you think that's why nature feels so good being in the mm. mountains, hearing yes. that quiet that is like no other when you're in the mountains or when you're on a beach and you just you it's palpable mm. that beautiful feeling like we it's sad that we have to go to somewhere so profoundly beautiful to experience that, but we can't just like stop our brain. Like our out, our outer environment is so chaotic that we can't just stop and be like, all right, let's just, I'm not right. saying we all have to like yeah. sit and meditate for five minutes while the kids are screaming around the house. But I'm just saying like in general, even in a moment to kind of take a breath and be like, Okay, like my, you know how yeah. we have the uh, breathe app on our on our watch, you know, where it can like ding. Mm -hmm. The Apple Watch has like a breathe reminder. Like I ignore that all the time. Like how sad is that? Like I should just <laughs> I should just stop and take a freaking breath. Like yeah, for sure. Well, what's interesting is how this kind of unfolded. Was honestly the the gym felt very grounding, right? The Palo Santo of my life. It was a home base. But then I got a house with a garden, and I was barefoot all the time, and I felt like that grounding and that actual gardening and shoveling and just being connected to the earth is what allowed me to understand how busy my brain was. I had no concept of it. And I think if you could just ground yourself a little bit more in this world of more, 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 that is really the only way to kind of connect to yourself. Even if it's not meditation, at least it's saying I am connecting to something bigger than I am because we we are so consumed with who we are to this world and what we look like and what we are perceived as that we forget that we are one very small piece of this. We're a very important piece, but a very small piece of the bigger picture. And so the more we can remind ourselves of how small we are and how, you know, 
seeing animals and seeing like the, the beautiful pieces of like, wow, this is like way bigger than me. Um, this is way bigger than me. It allows you to kind of step out of that autopilot mode in so many ways. And I feel so strongly that like when you are, you know, the fourth chapter of make, and this is why it all kind of came together for me. It was like, we are so busy creating and being entrepreneurs and business owners, but we are so imbalanced in the do feel. No, we only have one. And then we wonder why we're burnt out or why our business isn't doing well. It's like, if we can really do that, the, the inner work of all three pieces and whatever you label them as, but understanding that it's an equal balance, then the making and the creating is just an extension of you. And there isn't these, you know, labels or the expectations back to the beginning of like who we are supposed to be and how it's going to look. It's just effortless. It really just flows. And it's so much fun throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Well, Emily, this has been great. And I think we need to have a part two and three and four of this discussion as always. I always feel like when we wrap up our shows, we're always like, oh my gosh, already. But I want to do something a little bit different to to end because we tend to kind of be like, all right, what's next? What are we doing next? Where are we going next? And instead of that, I just want you to, and this is also kind of a a therapist trick we do for people who have a high anxiety where you're just like, pick something in your immediate space and focus on it and describe it to us. So just so everyone can kind of be present and maybe everyone who's listening to this can do the same thing is like, what is what is something you're observing about the space you're in right now, right? This moment when you're recording. <laughs> oh, I really love that. That's so wonderful because it's so true. You just went from a do to a feel. That's perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I honestly, I'm relearning who I am and in a way of a creator, not an entrepreneur. And it's so beautiful. It makes me so excited. And it's, I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit terrifying because I'm looking at what am I creating that makes me really excited. And I have taken out everything this year so far of something that I has been on my to-do list. It's only things that I want to do. And I feel very strange about that because I have been on autopilot for so long and I work really hard and I want things to be successful and I want to get to a certain goal. And I just want to do it a different way. You know, I want to see if I can do it a different way. And so for me, it's just been this like beautiful terrifying day-to-day operation of, do I really want to do this? (laughs) Does this make me excited right now? Not because of what it's going to look like, not because of the outcome, not because of when it's done. You know, it's like when people talk about their wedding day up to their wedding day, so stressful. And then they have their wedding day and it's beautiful. It's like, well, what about up to the wedding day? Can I enjoy that in a way? Um, So what can I do today? That's going to, if I die tomorrow, I'm going to be like, my job's awesome. Not because of the book being published, Mm -hmm. but because I wrote the book and it felt so good to write the book. And so it's just way more, um, way more falling in love with the process than the actual outcome. And that's something that's an active work that is not easy for me, but it's definitely so good for me right now. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I really think they are going to get a lot out of this book too. So can you tell our listeners and the audience where to find you? Yeah, of course. So my Instagram, Emily Schramm, S-C-H, and then the book is just uh, through the link in my bio is the easiest, but emilyshom.com slash book. 
and I'm stalling. I, I eventually will have it on Amazon, but I feel like as soon as it's on Amazon, I sold my soul, which I'm eventually going to do, but I, I am avoiding it for as long as I can. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Do it, do it on your own time. It's totally fine. Do it on your own time. Right. I just am being stubborn, but um, emilyshawn.com slash book. And then you can learn. I did a little excerpt in it for my podcast, Me at Hippie, uh, which I would love to have you guys back. I feel like we have to always do a one-on-one because always. Oh, you guys yeah. are just so wonderful. We do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Emily. As always, it's a pleasure talking to you. And I feel like we just have really good conversations. And I'll always say that I admire your growth and I just admire what you put out to the world because I think you're always trying to seek for what's genuine, not for what's popular or for what's going to gather all the audience. But people really connect to you in such a special way. And I just really appreciate that about you. So listeners, I'm so glad you tuned in for this episode, especially for our first official guest on This is Joy and Claire. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you again, Emily. Thanks, Thank Emily. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We do it.